season starts on Sunday, Murray's plan is to convince Jimmy Butler to work and try to get Philadelphia to work a signing trade with the Rockets. The 2019 Kia NBA Most Valuable Valuable Player goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo. All right, let's get this thing going. What is up, everyone? I'm Kyle Showalter, and you're listening to Around the Show. And, man, Kawhi has just become this enigma of sorts, hasn't he? He's weird, quirky, hilarious, and I think collectively we're all here for it. And I'm sure that we're all going to be hearing a lot about him as the NBA offseason gets underway this weekend. And I can't name a sports league that better dominates the calendar than the NBA. You got the regular season, which draws huge. The postseason is a worldwide thing now. The draft takes over the the news cycle for weeks at a time. And they just announced the MVP finally this week. Shout out Giannis. And after that is arguably the best part, which is the offseason. We get players moving around as 50%, over 50% of the league this year is free agents. So when we come back to the NBA in October next year, the league is going to have a completely different face. We're going to see cryptic tweets from the players, which trying to decode is pointless. We're never going to, and Woj bombs are definitely going to get thrown left and right, and we're going to get to all that. But first, I got to get something off my chest. Now, I love Giannis Antetokounmpo's story. You know, coming in the NBA as a 6'11 wing with just the huge 7'3 wingspan, skinny, to less than 200 pounds at 6'11 is just insane. Gets selected 15th overall just outside the lottery. And as he's gotten more physical, stronger, we've seen his, his ascent to a superstar has been miraculous. You know, first time All-Star in 2017, it was only his fourth season, one most improved player, second team all NBA, second team all defense. You know, we, we see the free throw line dunks, the wingspan that looks like it covers the whole court, the huge smile, the funny Instagram lives. You know, he's a superstar if this league has ever seen one. The unreal stat line, 27.7 points, 12.5 rebounds, almost six assists. He also averages over a block and a steal. You know, he's one of those guys that's a nightly 5x5 threat, which is even more impressive than the triple-double. And perhaps most impressively is he led the NBA in player efficiency rating, which is the analytics community's crown jewel for quantifying a player's value. His score was a 30.9. And all of this is reasons why I'm not upset that Giannis won the award, but I'm disappointed that James Harden is the one that didn't walk away with the hardware. And it's not even that he didn't win it, but it wasn't even remotely close he only got 23 of the 101 first place votes this is the same James Harden that just averaged 36 points per game while averaging 7.5 assists no player in the history of the NBA has ever averaged 35 and 7 and he also shot 37% from 3 on 13 attempts per game which is just mind boggling one that he can achieve that kind of volume and two making that high of a percentage of your threes when you're shooting at that high of a clip with that high of a volume is just unheard of. You know, we see Steph Curry at his highest was only taking 10 threes per game. James Harden's averaging three more attempts per game than Steph at his highest volume. 
Now, I get the knock on James Harden's game. It's not very aesthetically pleasing to a lot of people. One of the claims is that he's inefficient. And going back to analytics, one of the really cool things that we can do now with these second spectrum stats and the NBA stats online that you can find is that we can actually take a deep dive into whether this is explicitly true or not. Now, you might be shocked to find out that James Harden posted a true shooting percentage of 61.6. Now, amongst qualified players in the NBA, that is the 14th highest in the entire league. And I think what makes that even more impressive is that he also posted the highest usage percentage in the NBA. If you look at his assist percentage, it was the third best in the league at 39%. He is far and away, according to every metric, the highest ranked isolation player in the NBA, which means he can go get you a bucket whenever you need it, any point in the game. And going off of that, you want your MVP to be clutch? Sure. Okay. The NBA defines clutch situations as the last five minutes of a game in which the point differential is five or less. Harden was the seventh best scorer in the clutch last season, averaging 4.9 points per game in those situations. And if you want to go back to PER, going along with the analytics, Harden was second in the NBA behind Giannis with a score of 30.6 to Giannis's 30.9. So only 0.3 points, a margin so small that you can almost discount it. And if analytics aren't your thing, which, understandable, they're new, a lot of people haven't caught up with them yet, or just push back against them, that's fine. But let's just, we can talk about what Harden did when his team was back into a corner early in the season. It's really easy to forget that the Rockets were off to a terrible start this season, and people were questioning whether or not they were even going to make the playoffs. And when CP3 went down with a hamstring injury... These people seem kind of right. Maybe the Rockets didn't have it this year. Maybe they should pack up shop and try again next year. And then James Harden happened. He went on the greatest scoring streak anyone has ever seen in this league by someone not named Wilt Chamberlain. In the 17 games CP3 missed, he averaged 43.6 points per game while also averaging 8 rebounds and 8 assists. And even more important than that, the Rockets won 12 of those 17 games. They went from the 8th seed to the 5th seed and ended up finishing the season in the 3rd spot in the West despite Chris Paul facing a large minutes restriction and not playing in back-to-backs once he returned. You can look at Harden's historic season in a million different ways with the eye test, quantifying it with numbers, whatever you want to do. But I think the most important thing that a lot of the voters missed is that James Harden literally saved the season for the Rockets. He took them from pretenders to contenders. And that, my friends, is what an MVP does. And since we're talking about Harden and the Rockets, getting on to the offseason, the real exciting stuff, this Jimmy Butler situation, man, is it interesting. If you haven't heard, the new sexy rumor of the NBA offseason, first Woj bomb, is that the Rockets are looking for a sign-in trade with the Sixers that would net Jimmy Butler. And now, the Rockets don't have near the amount of cap space necessary to offer Butler the max themselves, so they have to offload salary. And their thinking is that they would give up at least two of the three of Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, and P.J. Tucker, and possibly a draft pick to go along with them. And... When I'm thinking about this in my head, 
whether or not the Rockets should do this move, give up two or three core members of their team for one. I simply thought to myself, what wins games and championships mostly in the NBA? The answer, stars. No matter what way you look at it, whatever light you want to look, eye test, analytics, standard numbers, Jimmy Butler is at worst a top 15 player in the NBA. He's the kind of player that the Rockets need to get over the hump, especially with the Warriors not being at full strength next season. This is the time to make a move. And when you look at Jimmy Butler's numbers last season, as the fourth option in Philadelphia, they're kind of remarkable. In the 55 games that he played with them, again, as the fourth scoring option, he averaged 18-5-4. You know, he's an elite catch-and-shoot player. He's one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. This all seems like he'd be a great fit next to James Harden. And even better for the Rockets if they were to acquire him, he has a reputation of being someone that is great at closing games, which is something that the Rockets would love to put next to Harden so they have two guys that can go out there and close. And as great as I think this would be for the Houston Rockets, I don't think that it is feasible because simply the 76ers don't want to get rid of Jimmy Butler. For all the same reasons that he's a great fit with the Rockets, he's a great fit with the Sixers. And all the reports say that the Sixers are going to offer Jimmy the five-year max, and they intend to keep him. Now, I think that the only way that this does happen is if the Sixers panic about losing out on Butler for nothing and essentially him turning into a rental that they gave up three players and a draft pick for. Again, they gave up Robert Covington, Jared Bayless, a 2022 second-round pick, and Dario Saric, who, in my opinion, is the only real asset in that deal that carries significant value. Now, if they don't think that they can get Jimmy Butler to resign, and they want to recoup some assets for him, they can get a starting caliber shooting guard in Eric Gordon. They'll shoot the lights out. P.J. Tucker can shoot a little bit. Great wing defender. And possibly bring a draft pick in. I mean, that's... That is better than losing him for nothing. I don't think that they could bring Capella in. It just doesn't seem feasible fit-wise for me. But you never know what Brett Brown can make happen. Or what they can do and what makes the most sense to me is they can let him walk and use that $30 million in cap space that they would save to acquire depth, which is something that this team desperately needed in the playoffs last year. Now, Jimmy Butler is not the only high-value free agent in the 2019 offseason. There's been one guy that we've been keeping a pretty close eye on in the sports world. Yeah, this guy, Kevin Durant, seven feet tall, handle like a guard, shoots the lights out. Heard of him? The man has accomplished everything you can in the NBA. Almost. You know, he's won an MVP. He's got two Larry O'Brien trophies two finals MVPs, he made a boatload of money. He has a signature Nike sneaker, and he's an international superstar. What what more can you want out of your NBA career? Maybe one thing. You know, because the Warriors, they were always Steph's team. And as long as Steph's there, they're always going to be his team. Whether or not KD is the best player, it doesn't matter. That team goes where Steph takes him. And fair or unfair, 
Kevin Durant's championships with the Warriors will always have an asterisk next to them for some fans. And I think this is why he's going to be a Brooklyn Net. You know, the fit makes sense. They're a solid team. They got a lot of talent. And he can be the missing puzzle piece that he never was in San Francisco with Golden State. And something that we've been talking about with Kevin Durant, if he were to leave, everyone thought it would be the Knicks. Now it's looking more like it's going to be Brooklyn. Who's going to go with him? And the obvious answer that everyone seems to think is Kyrie Irving. You know, they've been linked together all season. They've met twice, reportedly. Once before Kevin Durant's Achilles reconstruction and once after. It, it just seems like the two are destined to be teammates. They fit well together on the court. They seem to be friends off the court. And would I be crazy if I said that D'Angelo Russell makes more sense for the Nets? Now, no one's going to argue that Kyrie isn't the better basketball player. I don't think anyone can. The resume speaks for itself. But he's not coming for anything less than the max. That's, that's just a fact He's going to take the money, which he should. No one should be mad at any athlete for getting what they have earned and what they deserve, what they are worth 100%. Kyrie, go get your money. Run with it, man. We're cool with that. As a player with more than seven years of NBA experience, by the rules of the CBA, he qualifies for a max worth 30% of the salary cap, which would be around $32.5 million this year. Now, D'Angelo Russell does not have seven years of NBA experience, so his max is capped at 25%, which equates to around $27.2 million a year. So the difference in the first season is about $5.5 million against the cap, and that only increases as the years go on. Now the question shifts from, is D'Angelo Russell as good as Kyrie Irving, to is Kyrie Irving... 5% of the cap better than D'Angelo Russell. And that's where I think the conversation gets really interesting. You know, Kyrie Irving, top 10 player, is a walking highlight reel, dribbles like the balls on a string. We, we know what he is. But what I think is fascinating about D'Angelo Russell is that we're just figuring out what he can be. You know, he averaged 21 at 7 at 23 years old and just made his first all-star team. And... Another thing that I think is a point for D'Angelo Russell in this argument is besides a hiccup with Nick Young early in his career, if you don't know what it is, just Google D'Angelo Russell, Nick Young, absolutely hilarious. D'Angelo Russell comes with a pretty clean track record in the locker room. Since he's went to Brooklyn, there have been no reported issues. And I think it's safe to say Kyrie's reputation in the locker room isn't that clean. You know, he, he wasn't happy being the number two in Cleveland with LeBron when he was winning championships, going every year. He demanded the trade to get to Boston. I have to be the guy. That is what I want with my career. I want to take the take the struggles that come with being the man. I want to have my team and win championships. And he wasn't happy there either. And I'm just not buying that he's going to be happy being Kevin Durant's number two in, in Brooklyn. I think it might last for a little bit, like it did in Cleveland. And then I think he'll say, hmm, maybe I want to go give being the number one man on a team a shot again. And I just think the culmination of all of these factors 
just points to the conclusion that D'Angelo Russell is just a better fit at this time, at this point in time for Brooklyn to pair along with KD. Now, since D'Angelo Russell is a restricted free agent, other teams can offer him contracts and the Nets have the option to match the money and he would have to resign with them. And one of their teams that's looking to get D'Lo is the team that let go of him years ago, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers. And rumors are they also want Kawhi Leonard. And so do the Clippers and the Sixers, apparently. And I'm sorry, L.A. and Philly. The best fit is Toronto. Now, you're not going to hear me make the mistake of trying to predict what Kawhi wants to do because no one knows what Kawhi wants to do. I don't even think Kawhi knows what he wants to do at this point. He's the biggest wild card in the NBA. But what I do know is the Raptors are officially going to retain Masai Ujiri the man behind the championship, the Larry OB that Kawhi was so happy to win in Toronto. And I think Masai Ujiri has proved he is one of the best, if not the best, executives in the NBA. And you pair that kind of a brain behind the that kind of a brain behind the scenes with the kind of player that Kawhi is that can make any team he's on a championship contender. He, that's that's the level Kawhi is on now. Let's not fool ourselves. He is LeBron-esque to where if he goes somewhere, that team immediately has championship aspirations. He has proven that time and time again, especially this season. And Masai Ujiri has proved that he can and will do whatever is necessary to build a championship roster. You know, he went full cutthroat, traded DeMar DeRozan, a move that made the fan base very angry, quite frankly. A lot of them were upset when they attained when they got Kawhi Leonard in that, in that trade. But he's proved that that doesn't matter to him. All he cares about is building a winning team. And that's the kind of cutthroat mentality you have to have as a GM in this league. And I think Kawhi recognizes that. And I think Kawhi also recognizes that he has an entire country behind him up there. One and a half million people filed into downtown Toronto for that team's championship parade. You know, Kawhi, Kawhi went to a Blue Jays game the other day when the fans saw him walking down the steps, the entire stadium rose and gave him a standing ovation. And if you haven't, little fun thing on the side, Google the, the video of him recording Mike Trout's at-bat on his phone. It is just awesome to see that professional athletes are just as much of sports fans as we are. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's awesome. But I, I don't know what Kawhi is going to do. And I think that's really cool because... You know, we have a sense of what all these other free agents want to do. At least we think we do. But with Kawhi, no one in the, in the sports media world really has any kind of clue. We're all just guessing here. And I just think that all the things that we care about as sports, as sports fans, as sports media members, it all points towards Toronto. He has the teammates. He has the executive. That fan base is unbelievable. And all the things that we think about when we try to predict where people are going to go. It just all points to him staying put. But I can say for certain one thing. He won't be a San Antonio Spur.